What's up, guys? That's Crazy Podcast. The most frequently asked questions I get when I tell people about Jesus and living for him and not just believing in him is, do I have to change who I am? Do I have to stop living the way I'm living? Do I have to stop smoking weed? Do I have to stop drinking? Do I have to stop having sex? Do I have to change the way I dress? Do I have to change the way I talk? Now, the people asking these questions most likely ran into religious people on their way to following Jesus. And the religious people would tell them, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to stop doing this. You have to change this. You have to do that. And me looking back, I couldn't see myself stopping doing what I was doing or changing who I was or how I was living my life to follow Jesus. It didn't make sense to me because how am I supposed to do that? So it's like telling people that they have to change who they are when coming to Jesus. That's like the opposite of what the Bible says, of what God says. You come to Jesus as you are, walk with him, have him love on you. And then when time is right, he will point out certain things that you have to leave behind. It's not all drop all and follow me. Like some people can do that. Yeah, amen. But not everybody. First, they have to start walking with Jesus, letting letting him shower them with his love. And they work out the things along the way. And so when the religious people tell them that they have to drop everything and follow Jesus, it puts a bad taste in people's mouth for God. And they end up running from him for years on end because they don't see themselves changing. They can't fathom the fact that God has that transforming power. So they just run away from him for however many years it takes for the, before they realize, oh, this is how I have to do it. And then they come back and it's easier than it was before. It takes so many years that eventually what they're doing or what they're into becomes their identity and they just keep walking with it. They don't see, they have no idea where to begin the change and they can't even imagine the end result. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works. Because we are imperfect and we're perfected in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. Like, you're not going to be able to come to God and say, oh, I stopped doing this, I stopped doing that, I stopped doing this, so God favors me. Like, nah, bro. You come to God, He, you are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift. You can't earn it. And then he helps you get rid of certain things. So that way you can say, God help me get rid of this. God help me change this. God help me do this. You're not, you're not raising yourself up. You're raising up God. Transformation comes when you surrender who you thought you were and look to God to shape you into who he sees you as. Who he created you to be. And when you come to God, you just basically got to humble yourself and surrender and say to him, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know where my life is going. I don't know how to solve these things that are going on in my life. 
I'm not happy with the way I've been living. I've just been getting by, distracting my mind from what I've really been feeling inside. I've been distracting my mind. And I keep it hidden from everyone around me. But only you know what's in my heart. You know what I struggle with. I need your help, God. I can't do it on my own. And when you come to God with that mentality, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He knows you can't do it on your own. He wants you to acknowledge that. Because that's where he can start working. That's where he can begin working. I bet you acknowledge you can't do it. You came to me. Watch what I do. Yo, I promise you. After you do that, the transformation, you're going to start to see the transformation in your thoughts, in your heart, how you're feeling towards certain things. Like, it's not easy to believe, but once you do it, then you, you're going to see. When I acknowledged I couldn't do anything on my own, that's when the power of God started to work in my life and he helped me look at certain things that he wanted me to leave behind. Not when people on the outside were telling me what to stop doing or what to do. That's not how God works. Because it's all in his timing and he knows your mind, he knows your heart, he knows when to do what. So just trust in his timing You'll notice when he starts pointing things out because you'll see things differently. You'll feel things differently. You'll feel conviction about certain things. And he's not judging you or condemning you, but it's something he wants you to pay attention more like he's saying, okay, now look at this. You're ready to deal with this right now, and I'm here to help you. And both of you turn around his arm on your shoulders, and both of you are looking back at the situation that he wants to point out. It could be a certain sin, a way of thinking. Or even something like unforgiveness. Everyone's life is different, so it varies. But you got to recognize how to hear the, the voice of God. And it's not an audible voice. It's like a thought or a feeling. You just have to identify it and analyze it and talk to God about it at the moment. And he'll respond. For example, when I started following God, right, I was still smoking weed. But... It wasn't getting in the way of me seeking him or thinking about him because I was thinking about him 24-7. And he didn't confront me about it because we were dealing with other things in my life that I had to let go. And I was dreading the time that it would come because I knew it was going to come eventually. And when it finally did, he it was more like he was asking me, like, yo, why did you start smoking? Well, I started smoking because of depression I wanted to numb my thoughts, and it would help me sleep. And he asked me, are you still depressed? No. You you helped me hear from you more. You taught me how to hear from you, so I don't feel depressed. I don't feel alone anymore. So, no. And he's like, are your thoughts still out of control? Are your emotions still out of control? And I was like, no. You helped bring my mind to captivity. You helped me compartmentalize my feelings my emotions what to focus on what not to focus on what to react on what not to react on you help me with that so no do you still need it to help you sleep 
And I was like, no, not really, because I find my rest in you. I don't really need it to sleep. I don't need it to numb my thoughts. I don't need it to numb my emotions. And he was like, all right, then you're ready to give it up. And I was like, damn, really? I can't just smoke with my boys when they want to spark me up. I can't just smoke before bed. And he's like, I'm not going to make you do anything. If you want to hold on to it, I'm not going to make you let go of it. Because I gave you free will. But just know that when you're ready to give it up, I can give you the strength to do so. (sighs) Man, that was tough. And I was like, all right, I want to give it up. I don't I don't need it anymore. I got you. And honestly, it was easy for me to stop. It was a, a transition, to be honest. I went from rolling in tobacco to just smoking in papers. And then eventually I didn't smoke at all. But when he confronted me about it, I had already been smoking in papers for a while. So I wasn't addicted to the tobacco like I was before. So it was easy to stop. Because it wasn't in my timing, it was in his timing, and he was preparing me for that moment. The narrative that God gives us an ultimatum between our desires and his love for us is so destructive. Because he loves us regardless of what we're doing, regardless of how we're living our lives. But what's more destructive than that is thinking that because God loves us unconditionally, we can do whatever we want and still be accepted, still be Um, favored and still be able to access everything he has for our lives that's the most destructive things because people say oh yeah but jesus forgives everything he loves everyone so i can i don't have to stop living the way i'm living because he loves me he forgives me like yo what you're wild we're so ignorant for thinking that we could come to jesus and say to him this is who i am i don't have to change who i am because i'm a good person And you love and accept everybody, so I don't have to change. That's a lie from the devil. That level of ignorance is designed to keep you from receiving the blessings that God has in store for you. We've already proven we can't change on our own, and we don't want to change on our own. We want Jesus to accept us the way we are. And he does accept us the way we are, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a transformation waiting for us. We just have to accept it. We have to let go of the pride, let go of the ego, let go of who we think we are and and look to Jesus to form us into who he created us to be. Because when we come to him, we have no identity. We have no clue who we are. We could have been living 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. We have no clue who we are because we've been separated from God the whole time. And the only person who knows who we are and how we were created to be is God himself. So the notion that you come to Jesus as you are and you don't have to change is wild. You need to look at yourself and think, is the life you've been living and the person you are worth keeping and letting go of what God has in store for you? Is it really worth it? Are you truly happy? Do you have peace 24-7? Is everything in your life so perfect that you feel the need to neglect what God has for you? Really think about that. When I came to Christ, my thoughts were, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a pothead. I'm a lustful person. I'm a sex addict. 
I'm a temperamental person. I'm an outcast. I'm a slothful person. I'm a reject. I'm a liar. And I'm a manipulator. God, I'm a depressed mess. But I'm ready to put everything to rest. Who do you say I am, God? And when you come to God with a humble heart like that, we go from being made in the image of God to being children of God. And there's a huge distinction between the two. Because we are all made in the image of God, but if we live in rebellion against God, we can't be children of God because we're actively going against His word and His will for our lives. One quote I like is Matthew 6.33 that says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. After you prioritize seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is when you begin to find your identity in Christ. And when you let go of who you thought you were, right, you go from labeling yourself or looking at the labels that the world has put on you. And you can say things like, I am found. I am a son of God. I am a man of God. I am a light in the darkness. I am a voice for the voiceless. I am a seeker of truth. I am called to shatter the lies of the enemy. I am highly favored and I am chosen. Had I held on to the labels that the world put on me or what I labeled myself as, I would not have been able to discover who God created me to be. And that's just the beginning of discovering who I am and what I'm here to do, but it's enough to keep me going when discouragement tries to invade my mind. <laughs> this path is not easy, especially when you're able to see what's at work behind the scenes and you can't do anything but place your trust in God and trust in His timing for everything. Because we're used to changing things to get the outcome that we want. But there's certain things that God does not want us to handle before it is time because He's working behind the scenes preparing things along the way so the outcome reveals itself flawlessly with no effort from you at all no matter how much you want to try to um put your hands in things and and make it go your way or get it when you want it like nah we, we gotta trust we have to learn to trust in his timing and what he is doing because we don't want to mess up a situation that he's working on and then prolong the process no matter how long the process takes, we can't doubt what God says about a certain situation. Because once you doubt, things start to enter your mind like stress, anxiety, worry. And then the process becomes torturous. And that's not what he wants for us. He wants us to trust in him that he's working on a situation even though it doesn't seem like it. And when you put your trust in him... The, the process could last weeks, months, a year, and you won't stress about it because you know God is working in it. You know his hand is in it, and you know he's working things out for your good. One quote I like when I think of situations like that is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Man, if that's not him telling you 
that he's working for you for your good to give you a future and a hope. You don't have to stress about the outcome because he got you. He knows what's best for you. He knows what he wants for your life. That's wild. This path is narrow and only those that are serious about living for God make it through. Many try and give up because they don't know what it means to be resilient, which is the ability to withstand or recover quickly from difficult situations. And that only comes after humbling yourself and giving your life over to God. I know you've all heard the saying, Jesus take the wheel. This is where we apply it in a literal sense. We give up control of our lives we understand that we have no control over our lives and when we do try to control what happens in our lives everything gets messed up we put ourselves in situations where we're depressed for years where we feel stuck for years we've put ourselves like yo when we do things on our own we put ourselves in a situation that makes us feel prisoner and stuck for years with no peace and the future seems crazy to us because if we're not if we if we feel stuck now and we don't feel at peace what's going to happen in 5 years what's going to happen in 10 years how am i going to be feeling then like you don't see a way of bettering yourself understand that you're not in control of your life you have no control over what happens in your life you have no control of what comes and what goes you have no control over who stays and who goes. A friend once told me that what's supposed to be in your life will make its way there no matter what happens. And my dad always told me, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. If it doesn't come back, it was never yours to begin with. And those are two things that I battled with because the world tells me, if you want something, go out and get it. But then when I would try to do it, I would just mess it up. And so I would struggle with it. Like, I want this in my life. I'm trying to make it happen. It doesn't happen. Well, God didn't want it in my life. God had other plans. It was a process that I had to go through to learn certain things. And that's it. So I stopped trying to get things to go my way. We just have to be willing to step out in faith when he tells us to do a certain thing based on what he's trying to do in the situation. Because we have no control over it, but when we have to do something in it, God will tell us, we'll do it, and then we leave it alone for him to continue working. I was thinking about how difficult this path was, and then I began picturing myself in a mile-long trench, a muddy trench. And I'm just crawling through it with barbed wires hanging over my head. And I'm just crawling, 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 and it's pouring. And while I'm crawling... Mud gets stuck to my clothes, to my to my arms, to my legs. And eventually, it just, it's like, I'm crawling while feeling heavy and then getting rained on and trying not to get my head caught in the barbed wires ahead. So I just keep my head down, crawling through. And a lot of people, when they're in that situation, they would just want to lay down and rest for a little bit and... They're crawling for a while. They don't see a way out. So they like want to give up because it's easier to give up than to keep pushing through and make it out. But then once you start seeing the end, when you when you look at God and you look at him for the situation, he'll help you 
because it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he gives you an expected end. So when you know that you're going to make it out through him, if you just put your faith in him, that pushes you to go even harder. And then eventually you make it out and you look back like, damn, I can't believe I almost gave up. It was hard, but I made it through. I'm out here. I can't believe I almost gave up. And then when just when you think it's done, you turn around and you're staring at a 30-foot wall with a rope hanging down. And now you got to crawl up. Now, now you got to climb up. So it's like this path is has difficult times. It has peaceful times. The difficult times are never going to end. The only thing that has to change is how we look at things when we're going through the difficult stages. Because, yeah, climbing that rope is going to hurt. It's going to burn your hands. But so is holding on to something that's weighing you down. You're holding on to a rope with an anchor at the other end pulling you down. And it's like squeezing your hand and burning you at the same time. But you don't have to move your arm. You don't have to move your hand or anything. You just have to hold on. Little do you know, it feels way better and you get relief when you open your hand and just let that anchor fall. And when, you're, and when you turn around and decide to climb up that rope, the pain only lasts for a little while. And then when you get up to the top of that wall, you look down like, damn, that hurt. But hey, I'm up here. I'm good. I'm relieved. Like, both hurt, but one holds you down and the other one elevates you. What would you rather do? You want to keep holding on and let it weigh you down and hurt you in the process? Or you want to let go of it, hurt for a little while, but then your life will be elevated? Think about it. Comfort isn't always the answer to get you to where you're supposed to be. A lot of the times we have to get uncomfortable in order to access the next stage of our lives. Step out of your comfort zone. You don't get anywhere by being comfortable. And keep in mind that this path comes with persecution and judgment from those around us. Because they, per they persecuted Jesus. Why wouldn't they persecute us? Don't let that keep you from breaking away from who you were just because you're afraid of what people may say about you. We're trying to live for God, not those around us. We can't please people and God at the same time. Stop being scared and break out of your comfort zone. Because I promise what God has for your life is so much better than what you're currently holding on to. The price of true peace and happiness in life is sacrifice. Ask God what he needs you to sacrifice and wait for his answer. A lot of the times the answer is not something that we want to hear. But are you going to keep living in the same cycle or are you going to break away and be aligned with the will of God? Be brave, be courageous, be set apart and walk in purpose, not pleasure. Because pleasure comes when you walk in purpose and it comes in abundance when you fulfill the will of God.